It's an honor and a privilege to stand before people who love our Master and our Maker. And it's an honor and a privilege for Him to speak and to give us answers to questions that are troubling and that have been asked by many people many times and not been answered by many people many times. How many of you have ever heard the question, why does a good God let bad things happen? There's a lot of times when we witness to people that the person that we're witnessing to asks that question and the person who's witnessing stands there with their mouth open without an answer and the person that they were trying to win walks off empty because that question in their mind is bigger than the God that we serve. So I want to bring that question down because we're told to tear down strongholds. And we're told that the Word of God is powerful and quick and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. So I want to get to the heart of the matter with this question. And it starts back in the garden with a tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a lot of times we focus on the good and evil of the tree. But I want to redirect our focus and realign us for a minute. And I want us to look at what the scripture actually calls that tree. But before we go there. If our focus is on the good and evil of the tree, then we miss the point that this tree was designed to give the knowledge of good and evil. Now there's a big difference between good and evil and the knowledge of good and evil. Because knowledge implies that we're studying something. Knowledge implies that we're learning about something. Knowledge implies that we know something about something. There are a lot of things that we study. And there are a lot of questions that we may have that we may not have the answers to. There are times when Yahweh wants us to bench those issues. There are things that are controversial that don't need to be discussed. There are things that are too heavy, if you please, for us to carry. But the more we grapple with the word, and the more we go through the training that our Messiah has us in, the more endurance, strength, confidence, patience, character, the more integrity that we have as we go through life. So at the right times, 
some of those things that we grapple with may become basic knowledge to us. For example, my young children don't get to shoot my varmint rifle because it's too heavy for them to carry. But my older children with training can do very well with the same piece of equipment. The more we study, the more knowledge we will get. But the more we walk out, the more experience that knowledge will bring. Genesis 1.11, it says, Then Elohim said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. Now, in this passage, it talks about a tree that puts on fruit. Now, how many of you know that we're supposed to bear fruit, bear much fruit? That's one of the things that we're called to do. Somebody brought to my attention several weeks ago that there are two accounts in Genesis of creation. So let's look at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2.8, well, Genesis 2.1 says, This is the history of the heaven and, earth and the earth when Yahweh created the heaven and the earth. Now, in Genesis 2.8, it says, Then Yahweh Elohim planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, Yahweh Elohim made every tree grow, that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we've already established that it's very important and biblical to be a tree that bears much fruit. But this tree is described differently. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil are described as trees that are pleasant to the eye and good for food. So as we go through here, the scripture talks about being connected to the vine. In John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. But I'm going to submit to you that it's also very important, maybe even equally important, to be a tree that has a loyal heart. There are trees, and I'm going to use bamboo because it's something that we're familiar with. How many of you have eaten bamboo shoots in Asian food? Probably most of us. There are trees that are good for food all the way to the core. And it's not just the fruit that you get to partake of. And when you look through Scripture, there are examples of men that bore good fruit, but didn't necessarily have a loyal heart. In Second Chronicles 25.1, it says, Amaziah, the king Amaziah, 
was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehohadan of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of Yahweh, but not with a loyal heart. So he was a tree, he was a king that bore good fruit, but he didn't bear good fruit with a loyal heart. Then in Second Chronicles fifteen and seven, uh, fifteen seventeen, it says it talks about Asa. It says the high places were not removed from Israel. Now Asa had gone through and he had killed all the perverted persons, men, women, and children that were worshiping idols, setting up sacrifices, and and he had torn down all of the statues and all of the idols that were visible in Israel. But he didn't completely finish and remove the high places. But it says, nevertheless, the heart of Asa was loyal all his days. So Asa was a different kind of king. Even though Amaziah did what was right, but Amaziah, if you go and follow his life all the way through, he winds up in idolatry, he winds up doing things that gave evidence of what was in his heart. So I think we can see from these examples that a loyal heart will produce good fruit. But good fruit isn't necessarily the recipe that produces a loyal heart. Now Yahweh created a world that was full of life and it was untainted by evil in any form. Because death and evil at the beginning of creation, when Yahweh created it, were not necessary. You see, death is a consequence. Evil is a reaction. Neither one of those things were necessary if the whole creation was walking in harmony with Yahweh's law. The only thing that was necessary at that point was life. Yahweh wants us to follow his Torah for abundant life. He's interested in our life. He notices, according to scripture, our death. And he says the death of his saints is precious. So that's not lost on him. The pain of death, the suffering of death, the evil. But in the beginning... It was not so. And we see, he says, that the last enemy to be destroyed will be death. But we also know that when death is destroyed, evil will no longer be tolerated. Adam was given dominion over creation. Elohim created meaningful worship and relationship with himself by providing Adam with the choice of obedience or disobedience. And he also cultivated Adam's mind and sowed good seed into Adam's mind. Because according to this parable of the sower in Luke 8, 11, it says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of Elohim. Now, if I am soil and I'm made of dirt and Yahweh's word is seed, then what am I to produce? I'm to produce a harvest. 
I'm to produce fruit. I'm to bring forth what Yahweh put in me. Years ago, I was harvesting wheat, and I was in a combine, and I was... I had to slow way down because of the massive crop of weeds that the field had produced. And I remember sitting there thinking and saying, Yahweh, all my life, growing up on a farm, I've seen all these weeds that are frustrating. And I've walked miles in a soybean field cutting sunflowers and chopping ragweeds and getting rid of undesirables that grow that we didn't plant. And I remember thinking, Yahweh, How does this punishment of the earth growing and bearing thorns and thistles, and that's what you told Adam it would yield to him, how does that punishment fit the crime? And it was just clear as a bell. You are earth. My word is seed. I planted in Adam good word. Adam yielded to me a bad crop. Every time Adam had to pluck up a thistle or a thorn, he remembered, I yielded bad fruit back to my maker. I yielded things back to him that he didn't plant. Now, cursed is the ground for my sake because I am reaping things that I didn't plant because I yielded things that were not planted in me. When a person is in charge of something, he has authority to change the outcome of the life or well-being of those who are in his care. Has anybody noticed any difference at the gas pump? But who's in charge? Did anybody notice things in the previous administration at the gas pump? But who's in charge? So the people that are given dominion are given the ability to affect everything that they're in charge of. Now, when we live in a country, the people that are leading the country, whether we like it or not, affect our lives. They affect what happens to us on the outside. The same thing happened with Adam. Adam was given charge... Of creation. We look forward. In a lot of these songs. We're looking forward to a time. Whenever Yeshua will be on the throne. We look forward to that time. Because we understand from his word. That he is a just judge. He is a righteous king. And the scripture teaches us. That when a righteous man rules. The people rejoice. So when Yeshua comes back and sets this stuff right, those of us that enjoy righteousness will have rest, peace, and joy to be in His kingdom. Those are the things that we're looking for. That's what we're living for today. That's why we choose life instead of evil and death. Adam was Yahweh's companion. Until he made a choice that separated him from being that. Much like the relationship that Joseph had with Pharaoh. Adam was in control of everything except the one tree in the middle of the garden. And he was probably given charge to even take care of that tree. Because he was to dress and to keep the garden. 
but that was not his. He was a steward of the garden. And stewards, most of the time, stewards are the overseers of everything that a wealthy man has. But they're not the wealthy man. So they're still responsible to their boss. And there are certain things that the boss has authority over that the steward will have to yield to the boss. So Adam was a steward, and he had charge of everything, but the boss was still the boss. Yahweh was still on the throne. The tree belonging to Yahweh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, was bound by sovereign, was bound by almighty sovereignty. Yahweh was governing what that tree could produce. Yahweh didn't allow, initially in creation, Adam to understand evil or the good side of the tree. Because it wasn't necessary. There was not a need for that revelation in Adam's mind at that time. But, according to Romans 5.12, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. And here's where. Here's where I'm overwhelmed with the almighty sovereignty of our Elohim. Because he in his foreknowledge built life and redemption into the good side of the tree. Because the knowledge of evil and death is too much for us to bear. When we see wars, when we see crime, and when we see all of the ways that the believers died in the books of the martyrs. When we see those things, it ought not enter into the heart of man to do those things to other people. It ought not enter into man's mind to tar people as we, as we saw that Nero did and light the streets with other human beings. Who does that? Where does that come from? But when Adam said, I want to understand evil. And he took of the fruit of the tree. He always said, you don't know what you're asking for. But I can't stop it now. But he said, in the day that you eat of it, dying, you will die. Death came because we have Asked for the knowledge of evil. When Adam asked for the knowledge of evil, he asked to have a relationship with evil. He had life. But he asked for a relationship with evil when he partook of that fruit. And at that point, it's only where we're willing to say, I've had enough. That Yahweh can step in and offer redemption. You see it in your own life. 
you see choices that you make that you're like, Yahweh, where did that even come from? Why did I even, why was that a temptation to me? That's not something that makes sense to me. Why would I want to do that? Because your DNA has a desire to experience evil. And that's why Paul says, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Because this body of death, every way that we think, contrary to Elohim, is designed to understand and experience things that are taboo. Things that we are not designed to enjoy. We think it might feel good. And the pleasures, it says the pleasures of sin for a season. But we need to get into the side of redemption and understand that Yahweh wants to reveal to us the experience of redemption and of good. But it's the same tree The same thing as good and evil run on parallel tracks and they often arrive at about the same time. Yeshua was crucified, flogged, tortured, stripped of all human dignity. He was about as bad on the evil side of the tree as what a person can get. He experienced death. He became death for us. But through that event and through that experience came redemption. (laughs) The good side of the tree. So Yahweh sets up many, many times throughout Scripture so that we can see the clear, the clear, what's the word I'm looking for? Contrast of good and evil. He sets it up and puts it on display because He wants us to choose life. Yahweh's greatness and His omniscience caused Him to build redemption and reconciliation into the good side of the tree in order to counteract the evil and death of the other side. The thrones of mercy and judgment that are represented by Rosh Hashanah, I'm sorry, by Hashanah Rabbah and Yom Kippur are another example of extreme opposites for either life or destruction. So every year when we talk about the Hashanah Rabbah, the last great supplication at the Feast of Sukkot, and we're knocking on the door and saying, I'm here at your feast, remember me. That's a time when judgment has been declared at Yom Kippur, and because judgment is so severe, the Almighty arises from the throne of judgment moves to the throne of mercy and hears us one last time as we cry to Him at Sukkot. And then at the end of Sukkot, He speaks the verdict. This is why we constantly hope for the future and for the return of our Messiah to set up His kingdom to banish death and evil, and to bring the kingdom of life to earth.
Yahweh created Adam in his own image and after his likeness. That means that Adam and we are capable of intelligent reasoning. There was no reason why Adam needed to understand or have a relationship with evil. Adam had everything he needed for life. So as I was thinking about that, I looked up the word life. And it says, it is the quality that distinguishes a vital and functional being from a dead body. Well, pretty basic. Then it also says, a principle or force that is considered to underlie the distinctive quality of animate beings. So, a plant, if you cut it off, it wilts and dies. When it's sitting there with roots intact and all of that, it's vibrant and green. Roses are beautiful. They even smell good. Uh, Animals. You know, a lot of you have pets. You know, how much enjoyment do you get from the life side of those animals? But it's sad when they die. So all of these things are designed from creation to give us a picture and a contrast between something beautiful, something vibrant, something alive, and something dead. Good and evil is totally apart from life. And that's why life is what we should be striving for. Good is of a favorable character or tendency. It's something conforming to the moral order of the universe. You ever wonder why you have a reaction to people that go counter culture? It's because they are upsetting the moral order of the universe. So, all of the alphabets are not producing life. They're not capable of producing life. That's why Yahweh says, don't take part in the alphabets. Just stay with life. Just do it the way I wanted you to do it in the first place, and it'll be productive. Evil is something that is morally reprehensible. And the next one was very interesting to me. Evil is the fact of suffering, misfortune, and wrongdoing. Evil is a fact. Life exists on its own. But someone who is engaging in the pursuit of life has no business having a relationship with evil. Choose life. Understand life. It stands on its own. Have an all-consuming relationship with the light of life. And life is protected by our creator and the king of the universe. There's a song that I remember the lines to when I was going through this. And it says, secure is life from mortal man. Yahweh holds the germ within his hand. Though man may search, they cannot find. 
God alone does understand. Darkness exists naturally, but light easily displaces it. That's why righteous people are standouts. There are people in business that we like to deal with because they're different from everybody else. There's a reason why there's a highway to hell and a footpath to heaven. It's not necessarily easy. It's not easy in this fallen world to choose life. And to go back to the original question, why does a good God let bad things happen? He gave Adam and his offspring a choice. And when they chose to have a relationship with evil, he can't intervene. Because if he's big enough to give them a choice, and big enough to give them redemption... It's against his nature to step in and refuse what he offered in the first place. The knowledge of evil. He offered that. We chose that. But in his wisdom, he built redemption into the other side of the tree. Romans 12.9 says this, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate one to another, repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Verse 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hebrews 5.14 says, Solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use having their senses, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we're not, to, we're not to search out evil, but we are to discern what we don't need to search out. If it's a divisive issue... We need to be smart enough. We need to be mature enough. We need to have enough knowledge and understanding of this word to leave that on the shelf somewhere. Because if it's going to divide brothers, if it's going to divide congregations, and it's not a heaven and hell or a sin issue, we have no business pulling it off the shelf. It's evil because he says he hates things that divide brothers. Romans sixteen nineteen, For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. If there is someone here who has had a hang up with this question, and who doesn't believe that our Elohim is good, 
or didn't believe that our Elohim was good before they came in here. And if he has touched your heart, and if he has given you an opportunity for salvation, we want to make that time available to you. And if I could have Ben or someone come and just play an invitational, I would just like to pray and just offer again to our Creator who is worthy, who is awesome, who sits on the throne. I want to pray over you again, Jude 1, 24 and 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. And if you find Yahweh tugging on your heart and if you believe based on His Word, that it was our choice to experience evil and His plan to bring about redemption. This is your time. The glory of the Lord, Redeemer.